0: 19 year olds there in for Mihailovic has the space walks it in
1: Ferreira chance for the hat trick you betcha Jesus Ferreira three goals tonight and the US have five
2: images of St. Louis, Missouri, the gateway to the West, and for the U.S. men's national team, the gateway, the Gold Cup knockout rounds after a convincing 6-0 victory over St. Kitts and Nevis. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. This is episode 261 of Football Americas, the one where the national team plays in St. Louis. I'm in Washington, D.C., and Herc, where are you and who are you with? (laughs)
3: I'm at Walter Walter Station Brewery, my good friends here, the Phoenix American Outlaws Chapter. I gotta show you this jersey, man. It's one of the coolest jerseys I've seen. Hold on, put this down really quick. Woo! Let's go! With, With my good friends out here, the chapter, look at the Phoenix Chapter representing, there we go. Oh, this is my favorite thing. My man's got a scarf. It says more beer on it. I got to cop
2: this one. <laughs> Let's go. And he's at the right place, a brewery. Mark, I got to go. ask you, Absolutely. we have a dripping or tripping later in the show, but an impromptu dripping or tripping on that kit, what are you giving it there? Looked fire. Oh,
3: it's a dripping too, because it came, it came with some drinks. So it's a dripping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Looks like uh, everybody out there is having a great time. Of course, we partied with the uh, American outlaws everywhere, internationally, Herc. I don't know if you remember our night in Mexico City. Uh, we know that those folks know how to have well, a good time. They
3: remember a night in Mexico City with you. They, yes, they specifically told me that you shut the place down. I, <laughs> I didn't want any more details after that. Uh-huh. Mi and Mini. Mi and
2: Mini, remember. Uh, that was That's a, a right. great, great night in, in Mexico City. Uh, we should have a great night here on Football Américas, because we got a lot coming up uh, on this show. Since you are with the American Outlaws, I know you've been doing some work ahead of the show, getting some questions. So we'll have an edition of Outlawed questions, remember we had that at the World Cup. Fans get to send us in uh, their best queries, so we'll hit those towards the end of the show. We got some big news, Herc, out of Major League Soccer. Inter-Miami have now made it official. No, not Lionel Messi, Tata Martino. Tata Martino is gonna take over uh, Inter-Miami. Very exciting news there, we'll break that down. I'm sure you and I will both have uh, heated reactions to that. Speaking of heated reactions, we got a Gold Cup Shocker involving Canada. Okay, we got we to talk about what's going on with Canadian soccer. And we have the first in a series of exclusive one-on-ones with members of the U.S. women's national team. The first interview that's going to air in that series tonight is Alex Morgan. Can't wait to bring you that a little bit later in the show. But let's start with a look back at the game, Herc, that just wrapped in St. Louis. Gold Cup, Group A action, United States against St. Kitts and Nevis at City Park home of St. Louis City SC. 12th minute, Jordi
3: Mihailovic gonna open the scoring for the US. Yeah, Jordi Mihailovic right there, staying with the play. It's a good ball through. Buzio doing a good job pulling that back and Mihailovic, right place, right time. All right, I'm not saying this is, uh, should be up for the Puskas, but it's pretty good, Brian Reynolds. And Sendejas will take that assist, too, if I'm not mistaken. That's maybe his first assist of the U.S. Men's Nash team. A corner, Aaron Corner finds his way to Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, how tall is my man, by the way? He's like he's
2: 6'3". If that's an assist, that's a Football americas Américas' run-it-back assist. Jesus Ferreira with a great
3: goal there, the finish to make it three. Yeah, great presence of mind, good little run. First touch in a space, second touch, back of the net. 25th minute, Ferreira in behind again. That's four. Yeah, it's a calm little finish. Great bot by Georgi Mihailovic right there. He he took a a huge knock, and this finish is just calm. 4-0 at the half hour, Mark. 4-0 into the second half. Fereda on a hat trick. Ferreira with a hat trick. Mihailovic again, very calm, collected. Jesus Ferreira, that's an easy finish for him.
2: US looking for a six. They find it in the 79. Mihailovic.
3: Yeah, credit to uh, Christian Roldan here. He doesn't go crazy, brings it down. Presence of mind, finds Mihailovic. Mihailovic, one touch. Second touch, tucks it right in. Final score there, U.S. 6, St.
2: Kitts and Nevis Nothing in St. Can I get some
3: Louis. nachos? Can I get, Can get some, some nachos, nachos from her? Come on,
2: come on. You. The guy's been working all day. Thank wow. You. Thank you.
3: Nachos! <laughs> nachos!
2: All right, it's a full-on chose party here on uh, Football America's Late Night Edition uh, on the East Coast. West Coast as well. Gotta gotta let my man eat. Gotta let the big dog eat. All right, as you uh, chew on that... Why don't we chew on this victory for the U.S. uh, men's national team? 6-0 against St. Kitts and Nevis. By the way, the 100th international opponent that the United States has ever played. Shout out to uh, Jeff Crandall, U.S. stats and information guru, who's been around the program for a long time. Uh, He pointed that out. So, okay, U.S. wins 6-0. Herc, what's the main takeaway tonight?
3: Well, you have to acknowledge the opponent, right? St. Kitts and Nevis is a uh, country of almost 50,000 playing against a uh, country that's uh, the United States, the largest country in North America. Um, It was always going to be difficult for them. Uh, But it is the U.S. Men's National Team B team, and that's not against the U.S. Men's National Team. They have to control what they control, and that's running up the scoreline because Jamaica's hot on their trail. The first game, the tie put them in a precarious position where most goals between jamaica and the united states will go in first place and in first place you avoid mexico so they have to take their chances and that they did tonight that was my main takeaway is the level of the opponents but the chances that were actually taken by the u.s men's national team tonight are you
2: looking at this statistic right there sean johnson had more completed passes than seven players for saint Kitts and nevis uh hark i think if if we're ever gonna talk about not just the opponent, but the quality of the Gold Cup and really the purpose of the Gold Cup in general, it probably ought to be after a game like t- today, right? And we can pick on St. Kitts and Nevis, but there's a lot of teams that you can you can question here. Qatar brings financially something, but footballing, they bring nothing to this tournament. Guadalupe is not a FIFA member, so take that for what it's worth. And right. Cuba, we found out today, reportedly has four players defecting from the team. And then on top of that, all the big teams aren't sending their stars. So, at some point, I think we really have to question well, what CONCACAF is doing stars. to its own tournament here,
3: okay? It's a fair question, especially with the inclusion of the CONCACAF Nations League. If you're going to treat this as a second-rate tournament, then that's what the fans are, are gonna think it is or, or view it as. Uh, when the United States men's national team sends their B team, maybe a slash C team, and all the European, top European prospects are now on vacation. And Canada does the same with their main players like Alfonso Davy, Jonathan David, uh, Kyle Laren. What you're essentially saying is your concaf right now is the Nations League is more important. Yeah. And it's more important than the continental title, which we've always told you is the Gold Cup. And if that's the case, then advertise it as so. So yeah. Mexico doesn't send their A-team. So maybe Jamaica doesn't send it. If, if they want to. If they want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the point about the performance as a whole. I don't
2: think, you know, pressure here is, is too much, but there's some relative pressure for what you say about winning the group. And the fact that this U.S. team, who did make seven changes and changed the formation, yes, it's St. Kitts and Nevis, but those are things you have to overcome. Um, it is worth noting here, they saw right before what Jamaica did to Trinidad. Jamaica wiped the floor with Trinidad. We'll get to those highlights a little bit later on. That sends a message. The U.S. knew that they couldn't just come out and get a win and get three points. They knew they had to golyar. That pressure was on. And even though it's relative pressure,
3: Herc, the group did respond. They get some credit for that, don't they? The group responded. Uh, They they responded. They responded brilliantly. I will repeat, it is the opponent. Uh, Trinidad did beat this team 3-0. Trinidad Mm -hmm. is the stronger of the uh, two opponents that these two teams would have faced. So uh, this doesn't take anything away from the U.S. men's team. They shouldn't care about that. They have to do what they have to do in front of the opponents they play against.
2: A Trinidad team that, by the way, didn't qualify on their own, we should mention, for this Gold Cup. In the Gold Cup at the expense of Nicaragua, who was out because of an ineligible player. All right, Herc, let's evaluate some of these individual performances as best we can, given the the opposition. Let's do some stock up, stock down. And let's start at the top of the lineup, your former position. The number nine, Jesus Ferreira. We've given him a stock up or a stock down here on the eve of his hat trick.
3: I mean, how can I give this guy a stock down? He just scored a hat-trick in 50, 54 minutes of play. Here's the thing with Jesus Ferreira, I don't believe he's a nine. I firmly believe somewhere in the front line as a double 10, a 10, or even a second forward would be his best position. And I say it again, I said it to you before on this very program, Jesus Ferreira is gonna go to a top 10 league when he leaves for Europe for Major League Soccer, and he's gonna score 10 goals, 10 assists, double digit mm. 10 goals, 10 mm. assists in that league. He's that dangerous of a player. People may knock Jesus Ferreira for, well, look at the competition. Look who he scored against. What do you think Landon Donovan played against? Who do you think Clint Dempsey played against? You all play against the same people, same teams in CONCACAF. That's not his problem. You can't deny the cold, hard numbers are there. You can't question the position of play. Absolutely. You can't question when the level gets higher. Absolutely. But I think if you're denying what you're seeing with your very eyes, it's an injustice to not only the player but yourself. Sure. I mean, how far how far up can his stock
2: go, though, right? Because, one, you mentioned the opposition. It's also the other guys, right? If we look at this U.S. roster, there are not a lot of guys that were on the yeah, World Cup team, stacked. period. And there's, there's not a lot of guys who started a World Cup game, right? That is on Jesus Ferreira's resume. Whether people like it or not, he was a starter at the World Cup. So when he comes up against the St. Kitts and Nevis, dude, he should absolutely drop a hat-trick. And, Herc, you and I screamed at each other about this, but... He had the four goals against Granada, and I said, it's against Granada, it's against Granada, it's against Granada, and you said, but that's all you can do against who you play. When it's against a team that is this far beneath you, I know we're not going to give the guy a stock down, but we got to be really careful with how much we boost this stock, don't we? Because we saw what happened at the World Cup. When he went up against Netherlands,
3: those four goals against Granada, what did they mean? Nothing. Seb, so, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're going to compare four goals against Granada with playing a World Cup here? Listen, Landon Donovan played against Granada as well. Clint Dempsey did the same thing. You could only take care of what you can take but care that's, of that's in but front those, of It doesn't matter who you against. that's not the only
2: against. things that they had achieved. At this point, that's a high-water mark of what you're talking about here at the international level. You're talking about Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey. They scored are you against trying to get big at? Teams. Are you trying
3: to go stock up, or are you just trying to blast a kid? What are we going for? No, because I'm not blasting it not the a kid. But, yes, it's a stock no, up, it but it it's a very, very, like very I'm just fine stock up. Yeah, the kid scored up. three goals, and you're going to say it's I'll a very a stock fine up. stock up? Come yes. on.
2: Yes, come on. You have come to put on. in context who he's doing it against, and the fact that he's done it against before and it, against this competition put it in before. Con- put it in context who, he's, who
3: his name's with. Listen, listen, listen. It's a very hot button topic. It's an easy target for a lot of fans. This is shouldn't care about that. This is is 22 years old, and he's putting up those numbers with the U.S. men's national team. Keep doing it. Parlay okay. that into a European move. Don't care about if Sebi Salazar says it's a slight stock up. Still a stock up,
2: right? Still a stock up. Let's see if our next player gets a stock up from Hercules Gomez, slight or not. We go from the front line to the front line, Cade Cowell. Ooh, the
3: 19-year-old, the kids. Stock up or stock down, Herc? Yeah. Yeah, this is gonna be a stock down for me, man. Uh, really? Kate Cow showed some very promising things. Yeah, let me tell you why. I don't like the fact that in this formation they played with inverted wingers. You had you had Sandekas on the right, you had Kate Cow on the left. And it takes away everything this US Men's National team tries to achieve in the 4-3-3. Uh, so maybe not to his own fault, but it wasn't like he took it wasn't like he took care of the chances he had. He had one in the first five minutes. Came onto left foot, couldn't finish. It's a situation where if you look at the players who had an opportunity, he didn't take advantage of it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe
2: not the, the same kind of bullyish physically performance that we saw at the U20 level. I think you, you might expect that. How would you compare him to Sendeja since they're kind of offset against each other?
3: Yeah, I thought he was more active than Sendejas, but I think it's more this inverted winning, winger thing that they don't normally do. You normally have Timothy Way on the right and you have Christian Pulisic on the left. And Christian Polisic floats inside, kind of operating as that 10. This time it was Sendejas kind of doing that role, in that 10 role, if you will, but starting from the right-hand side. And it was Kate Cowell trying to come into the right, but it offered no width. It forced Brian Reynolds actually to be more involved in the game, to Brian Reynolds' credit, and we'll get there in a second. But it's not what Kate Cowell should be doing. Kate so Kyle's what should he be doing, guys? Not creating space for the for the left back. I just Where would it. you want to see him then in, in a formation? On the right hand side, as as a winger on the right hand side. I, I don't really like him on the left hand side. It forces him to go back to his left foot often at times, and he doesn't feel comfortable enough yet. All right, Jesus Fede has scored three goals. We both gave him a stock up.
2: Be yeah. A little more begrudgingly. Uh, what about Jordi Mahalovic? He got on the score sheet a couple times. And an assist. What are we giving him for his performance today? Uh, Two to assists. Two assists. Uh, this is one of your favorite players all time here on Football America. You've been on the, on the
3: Jordy bus for a minute. Yeah, Jordy Alexander Mihailo- Alexander Mihailovich, I am on that train. Listen, do you remember Jordy when he exploded onto the scene in Chicago Fire? He was like 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, the kid in the same season he explodes on. He was a big player for Chicago Fire. Very promising player. Has an ACL tear. Uh, comes back, comes back stronger, goes to Montreal, becomes a completely different player. And since then, he's showing us that player. He didn't get a chance to before the World Cup. He's showing us a player he can be right now. And you can say what you want about this tournament. That does not matter. The opponent doesn't matter. You have to perform when given that opportunity. Two goals, two assists. And actually thought he could have done it a little bit better. Way mm. stock up. All right, where,
2: where's his best path into realistic playing time with the A team? Because I do think a lot of the guys that you look at in this group on the Gold Cup are, at least in the short term, probably not realistic playing time for the senior A team. Mihailovic might, especially with what he's doing in Europe and, and potential growth next season. Where would he play, though? Midfield, attack,
3: where do you see him? Midfield. Midfield, you can play him in that eight spot. Uh, if you ever go double 10, that's where you can position. But the eight spot, and listen, when we talk about that eight spot, you've seen Weston McKinney there. Mm-hmm. You've seen Eunice Musa on the other side. When it's Tyler Adams who's deploying there as that six, right? You've seen Luca De La Torre come in. We've heard names like Malik Tillman, but we've never seen him really play with the U.S. Men's National Team at a high level. Mihailovic can earn his way there as well. I firmly believe that, especially playing at a big club like, like he's playing uh, with, with the ironing. Uh, sharpening of the iron, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, that will be playing in the Eredivisie. I think he'll get better, and that's the, the spot for him if he wants to compete here because that winger position uh, is very difficult. And the U.S. doesn't really operate with a 10 or a double 10, so it's got to be that 8 position for him.
2: Yeah, yeah, if they play in the four-three-three, 3 3 right? If they go four-two-three-one, maybe he could be, uh, I don't know, back up to Gio Reyna in that 10 that everybody seems to uh, to like so much. We shall see. All right, Jordi Mihailovic then. Gets a stock up, I think, from both of us for his performance tonight. Last up, is this last up on Stock Up, Stock Down, or do we have one more? Jalen Neal, the kid, the real kid. In the center of defense, Hercules Gomez.
3: What do you think? kid is 19 years old. Let me just mm. put that in perspective for a second. He's played a handful of, name, of games for the U.S. Men's National Team, and you couldn't tell from it. You, you couldn't tell that it's been a handful of games or, or 30 games. There was, a, there was a play today where he stepped into the midfield and he had a ball-breaking or a line-breaking pass to Jordi Mihailovic that Jordy Mihailovic should have done better with. It was a 1v1 with the goalkeeper. didn't do mm-hmm. well enough. But it's a center back playing a 1v1 line-breaking pass that you don't really don't see from a 19-year-old center back. So I repeat, I think uh, he's got a very high ceiling, stock up for him, every time I see him, especially with the U.S. Men's National Team, I think he gets better. Uh, His debut, he had one mistake, but other than that, I thought he was very, very solid. Every time I've seen him at this level, he's gotten better, so stock up for me.
2: Yeah, it's a presence, right? Like, you don't expect a young center back to have that presence. In fact, you don't even expect center backs sometimes 24, 25 years old. Really, that position is one that you age into, He looks a guy who's 29 instead of 19. How far is he from senior national team ready? A team ready, Her.
3: Well, at the rate of these center backs and and the history and how much rotation you're going to see, I think it could be in line. Listen, Miles Robinson at one point was center back 1A, right? He gets injured, and it's down back of the line. This is how it goes. There are some very good center backs in this pool. I think in order for him to be that type of player and crack in, you need to make a European move and it's going to be very difficult. It's a breakout season with the Galaxy. Who knows how long the Galaxy will be able to keep him. And once he makes that jump, I firmly believe this is a player that we're going to see in 2026. All right then, so Jalen Neal and the US get a big win in
2: Group A. Also getting a big win in Group A, Jamaica against their Caribbean rivals, Trinidad and Tobago. This was the early game there in St. Louis. And this one was pretty much over. Early. 14 minutes in. Jamaica just pinging it around the box like a practice session. Gonna end up at the foot of Damari Gray,
3: and he makes this herc look easy. Yeah, Damari Gray already had an assist with the US men's national team. Good reception right here. A very good finish. Tucks it in. 17th minute. Leon Bailey in behind. Way in behind.
2: Makes it 2 0. No celebration though, because the offside flag is up.
3: But you know what? The offside flag Come on, was it's wrong. a great reception. It was wrong. It's a very good reception from Leon Bailey. Cool, calm, collected, sets himself up, and then just blasts it home with that left foot.
2: Got a goal there. Leon Bailey probably should have had two or three in this game, if we're being honest. But uh, a topic for another moment as he celebrates there. Another mistake from Trinidad. They were just incredibly sloppy in this first half. Mikel Antonio might have handled it. Slipped it across to Demari Gray. Might have been offside. Nobody cares. It's 3-0.
3: Yeah, it's very tight. It's good work by Mikel Antonio right there to stay with the play. Right there. I think he's just onside. Into the second
2: half, Trinidad with their Gol del Honor. And how about the honor here, Andre Rampersad.
3: Rampersad, this is a little Taquito right here. He'll take it. This is a delicate finish. It's That's a, a finish. Ridiculous finish. Golazo del Honor.
2: For the countrymen of our good friend Chaka Hisla. Stoppage time, DeWan Richard shot big deflection, 4-1,
3: Jamaica. Yeah, and that's the dagger, and maybe that goal could prove costly. It's a, a three goal differential for Jamaica in this one. Absolutely, that goal from Trinidad
2: and Tobago thought might help the US, but uh, Jamaica getting a late one back. And as a result, here's where the group A standing sit, US and Jamaica on four points each. I think it's Nevis eliminated, uh, but the U.S. as of right now, first in the group thanks to goal difference with one game left to be played on Sunday.
1: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
4: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. plus everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com just go to constantcontact.com right now constant contact helping the small stand tall constantcontact.com
2: what about canada they sing guadeloupe on tuesday and group the action at BMO field in toronto huh? so the canadians have some home field advantage in this one, 23 minutes in, Thierry Henry. No, Thierry Ambrose makes it 1-0, Guadalupe.
3: Ambrose looking like Thierry Henry. Look at the reception right here. Watch this. Watch the cutback right there. outside the foot, cut him up. Oh, does it, man. Golazo.
2: Again, Guadalupe, not a FIFA member, but up 1-0 on Canada. 49th minute, Canada on the attack. Junior Hoyland across,
3: Lucas Cavallini, 1-1. Cavallini with the finish. He starts to play, but this little delicate ball right here outside the foot, how delicious is that? And Cavallini, he says, I'll take that. 1-1 one, one deep into the second half, chip into the box. Medellina, own goal, Canada up. Oh, that's a dagger. Medellina trying to help his teammate off of him into the back of the net. Set piece and stoppage time for
2: Waterloo. Thierry Ambrose. Gonna get the shot, and it's another own goal. Jason Russell Rowe, the guilty party.
3: Yeah, and Canada will be booed off the field by their fans in Toronto after this draw. First game in group phase in Toronto, booed off the pitch. Game ends 2-2. What does it mean, the table in Group D? Well,
2: Guatemala leads the group thanks to their 1-0 victory over Cuba. Again, the big story with the Cuban team uh four cuban players have reportedly left the team now the big story around canada how about this her tsn and not a canada reporting that canada's soccer's finances canada soccer of course the canadian federation are so bad that they may have to file for bankruptcy and even be forced to skip the september and october international windows. This, of course, with the Canadian women's national team, the reigning Olympic champions, weeks away from participating in a World Cup. Herc, it sounds like a case of a federation setting their national teams back. What do you make of it?
3: It's exactly what it is. I mean, imagine this. Imagine a company, a Canadian soccer business, CSB, negotiating a TV rights deal. For Let me check notes. One for that goes until 2037 that only pays about 3 or 4 million dollars annually to its federation mm. <clears throat> what are you doing all of a sudden Canadian football is valuable all of a sudden they have fans they have support and this is what you're doing and now you might have to file bankruptcy and now they may not even be able to play games and it's on the heels of sending your women to a world cup uh, I mean this is, this is, these are things we used to hear about in CONCACAF mm. Th- this is like FIFA gate stuff we're talking about here yeah, no, it's it's deeply
2: concerning, Herc. And, and what I'm most interested is when this is finally coming out. And it's finally coming out, Herc, you know when? When soccer people get in charge, okay? Jason DeVos was a guy on the gold cup winning Canadian team back in 2000. He's kind of now the interim head of Canada soccer in this moment of crisis. But let's talk about the the recent presidents, the recent folks who have been in charge, right? Nick Bontis, business professor. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Mm. Okay, the guy before him. Oh yeah. Another money guy. The guy before him, and trust me, Canada soccer's issues—they run deep. They run historic. Victor Matagliani, who right now is the president of CONCACAF. So we got we got big he questions president. here, and I mean big questions, and we have some big names that ought to have some answers, Herc. Because to your point about serious mismanagement of a major opportunity. According to the TSN reports, the cash reserves for Canada soccer have gone from $7.1 million to $2.4 million from 2021 to the end of 2022. So you lost all that money in a year. You sent your men's team to their first World Cup in 36 years. And on the year after, your women brought back Olympic gold. I mean, that is a huge yeah. botch. And Herc, to your point about the deal, Okay. Canada Soccer signed an exclusive marketing deal, gave away essentially all of their marketing rights to one company. If that sounds familiar to fans in this country, it should. Because for many, many years, that's what the U.S. Soccer Federation did with Soccer United Marketing, which was owned, of course, wholly by Major League Soccer. And for people who think that this stuff doesn't matter, think about all the legal bills that U.S. Soccer has rung up over the years. And then ask yourself, Whose interests were they representing? Whose interests were they representing? In whose interest was it to get involved in legal fights with your players? Doesn't sound like the Federation's interest. So that's why when you, when you sell your marketing rights to somebody, you better know well who you're in business in because right now Canada's in big trouble. And Herc, I do think this puts a little bit different context on the comments from John Herdman at Nations League because I thought they were, they were born a little more yes, of frustration. I think, I think, no, 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 he was actually pointing that the house is on fire, and if somebody doesn't put it out soon, it's going to spill over onto the field.
3: Oh, no, 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 I knew John Herdman was right. I, I mean, we, we've heard about these things even before the World Cup. Do you not remember they had a, an issue with the supplier, the official supplier? They actually wore the same jerseys they wore throughout World Cup qualifying. If you look at Canada's jerseys, they're probably the same ones they wore in the World Cup. They're the only team... In this confederation, it's not changed jerseys. Ask yourself why. And you also mentioned some uh, Soccer United marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mexican national team still does business with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Hands in all the pots around American soccer. By the way, as of now, I don't think, although Christine Sinclair, I saw something maybe earlier today. There, there might be a a kind of tentative CBA with the women. As of right now, there's no CBA with the men or women for Canada soccer, so lots to be resolved there in the coming days. Uh, By the way, on a much lighter note, Herc, the ESPYs are coming. Are you gonna be on the red carpet, by the way? July 12th. Isn't that usually your assignment? It is. Ah, okay, Herc will be working at the Gold Cup semifinals, obviously July 12th, which you'll be watching as well. But uh, you can vote. You can vote now, ESPN.com, or check the QR code there on your screen. Best soccer player. Leon Messi's up for it. Can you believe it? Alex Morgan, welcome, congratulations. Fourth World Cup, Uh, what does that mean to you?
5: Wow, fourth, um, I mean, it means a lot. Just being able to endure being on this team for uh, 13 plus years is, it's hard, it's challenging. It really tests you mentally, physically, and um, to be alongside Kelly and Pino um, in our going for our fourth, um, we wanna go all the way.
2: Use the word endure. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. What it what it takes to kind of stay at this level within this team, which we know has that ultra competitive history.
5: Yeah, it is ultra competitive. Um, absolutely, it's it's really challenging. And, and um, each coach has their style of play they want to implement. They have um, a certain direction they want to go. And I think that each player's job is to make it um, to make it so hard for the coach to leave them off of a roster. Um, I've you know, especially these last four years since getting pregnant, um, I've been in and out of the team. And so to have been in now consistently in this last year um, and getting back to more consistent minutes um, like I was prior to that, uh, it, you know, it takes, it takes everything out of you. And so to get to this moment now, I want to be able to enjoy this World Cup um, and enjoy every moment knowing that I just worked so hard and sacrificed so much to get here.
2: You mentioned the manager. Um, obviously, Vlatko Andonofsky calling you, telling you you made the World Cup team is a thrill. What's a bigger thrill, that phone call or seeing that it was Taylor Swift that announced your spot on the <laughs> roster to everybody? Because I feel like that's a little bit bigger deal.
5: Yeah, well, yeah. Um, it was a big deal to have Taylor announce me on the roster, but getting that call from Vlacko, mm. he makes the decisions, <laughs> not Taylor. So I'd have to say the the call from Vlacko saying I officially made the roster is just kind of like a moment like I think it doesn't matter um, how secure you think anyone on this team is to get that call and be officially named to the roster is just a sigh of relief.
2: It wasn't just Taylor Swift in that you know video it was the president it seems like everybody has gotten behind this team you've been around it for a long time can you put into words just kind of the focus or the intensity of the focus around this team has maybe changed from when you started?
5: Oh I think just the the amount of eyes on this team has just been so much more than, you know, 11, 15, 19, like it's steadily just gone up and up. And I think that the NWSL has helped with that. I think just the... um just the fight that we had for equal pay starting in 2016 until now, um, and advocating for other teams as well as they, um, as they fight um, for equal pay and equal working conditions. Um, We're at a different spot now than we've ever been um, on this team, and going into this World Cup, I think it's gonna be not only the most competitive World Cup, but it's gonna be the most watched World Cup, the most attended World Cup. it will be the best World Cup that is that there's ever been.
2: It'll be your first World Cup as a mother. How mm-hmm. did motherhood change impact Alex Morgan the the athlete?
5: I really think motherhood just changed it 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 made me just appreciate the time that I get on the field. Because when I'm home, I'm not Alex a soccer player. I'm mom. Um, My daughter doesn't care if I scored a goal or if I missed a goal or if I got injured or if I'm playing at the top of my game. I'm just mom. So I think just when I get on the field, I really do enjoy it. I enjoy that time knowing that if I'm away from my daughter, I wanna make sure it's worth it. Um, and then I think just going into this World Cup, I just feel I feel way more just at peace with where I am and just a sense of calmness um, more than the previous World Cups.
2: And that sound of being a parent, you think?
5: I think that that's really helped me, yeah. I, I think just knowing that Um, knowing that, you know, I have my daughter to look up to so many incredible women in this environment, having her, you know, her best friends, you know, and Emily Fox or Megan Rapinoe, um, there's so many other girls that she that she enjoys playing with and that just, you know, that brings a lot of life into this environment. Everyone really loves having the kids around because we're so ultra focused on all the small details. We're analyzing every little thing and so just to have the kids around, when I say kids, I mean Charlie and Julie and Crystal's kids as well. Um, it just kind of brings a little more happiness and lightheartedness into an environment that is so pressure filled.
2: Last time around, the big talking point around the team off the field was equal pay. Now you've got it on paper. What will it mean to represent the United States, U.S. soccer now, with that in hand, which you didn't have four years ago?
5: I mean, going into this World Cup, we're not in a battle, an active lawsuit with our employer. Like We are on the same team now, and that feels good. Like Our focus is on winning the World Cup, and that's it, period. And that feels really good. Um, we are taking care of the small details, and um, and we're we're just in a different place than we were. So I think that this this tournament is all about these 23 players, the 14 new you know player new players who have never played in um, a World Cup before, some of us that have played in our fourth, and some all in between. Um, we're coming together and. We're doing something that I think is going to be incredible, and I, I'm very optimistic for um, our chances this World Cup, but it starts with Game 1 against Vietnam.
2: People will talk a lot about a, a title defense, but how much does what happened in Tokyo at the last Olympics, which I assume was a big disappointment for this group, kind of fuel you for this tournament?
5: Honestly, it's hard to it's hard to feel like The Olympics in Tokyo and the World Cup in New Zealand and Australia have much of a connection um, because it was just such different times. Um, Our families couldn't even go over there. I was away from my daughter for 35 days. Um, The team was in a very different place. You look at even the roster personnel, um, it's so different. So uh, I think that that's behind us. I think people also wanna talk about a potential three-peat that's not what we're focused on. Like, we are focused on this roster right here, like these 23 players under Vlaco, and doing doing something that, um, you know, that previous rosters have been able to do before and win a World Cup. We're You know, we're not looking at before. We're not looking at last World Cup and score lines. Like, it's all about this World Cup. Like, that's what we're focused on.
2: One of the big points that people are making about the roster is that you're kind of the only true number nine. What do you think about that decision from Vlatko and
5: I trust Vladko with the decisions that he makes and um, I want to contribute as much as I can to this team. I, I want to make sure that I am at the top of my game come game one against Vietnam in July. Like, I want to be peaking at that moment. And if he trusts in me to be his number nine, then I then I, I will show up, you know? And um, I think that there's incredible opportunities by a lot of players in their first World Cup. Um, and, you know, a lot of injuries have happened and a lot of decisions have had to be made by Vlacco And at the end of the day, that you have to trust in the decisions he made. And um, we have an incredible roster that I'm very optimistic about.
2: I wonder what your expectations are, because we hear this narrative all the time, like the rest of the world is catching up to the U.S. women's national team. When you hear that, what do you think and how does it influence what you expect will happen in this tournament?
5: Yeah, I think it's always funny when people say the rest of the world's catching up. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's going to be the most competitive World Cup ever. There is incredibly competitive leagues around the world. Um, Women are paid... More and respected more in in soccer more than ever, of course. Like, yeah, the competition is is tough. We're we're not going to be blowing out teams at all. We're going to have incredibly tough competition from game one, um, hopefully until until the last game, until the final, August 20th. Um, I, I can't even say who our toughest toughest competitors would be because I'd absolutely be missing two or three or four. Um, Women's soccer has just grown so much in the time that I started in 2011 um, to now. 2011 meaning the World Cup in 2011.
2: A look at Alex Morgan's career, what not listed on this graphic. Alex Morgan on a first-name basis with Taylor Swift. Now that, folks, that, folks, is impressive. All right, Hercules Gomez. If the U.S. win the World Cup, and we're going out on the limb. If the U.S. win the World Cup, what does that do for Alex Morgan's case as the greatest of all time among American
3: players? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a, it's a reality, Seb. Seb, remind me again, how many of the players in the U.S. women's national team have an opportunity to win three World Cups if they win this World Cup? Five. There would be
2: five. Alex Morgan among them, Megan Rapinoe, uh, Kelly O'Hara, Alyssa Nair, and Juilliard. Now, not all five of those played a major role in all three, as Alex Morgan did, huh?
3: Correct. Correct. So, uh, remind me again, again, on this very program, we did a Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. This very program, we did a Mount Mm -hmm. Rushmore of the U.S. Women's National Mm -hmm. Team. Was Alex Morgan in your Mount Rushmore? She was not. No. At the time, she was not in my Mount Rushmore. She was not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Correct. She was not. Now, remind me again. Mia Hamm, who at one point held the all-time leading goal scorer, 158 Mm -hmm. goals, I believe, Mm two-time Player of the Year, won her own Mm -hmm. World Cups, by the way, Mm -hmm. and I believe still to this day holds the assist record for U.S. Women's National Team. She may have a case for that, right? What about Michelle Akers, who has like Mm a record 10 goals in World Cups in one edition, Uh, two-time... Oh, I'm sorry. No. FIFA Women's Century Player of the Year. I mean... Will she have a case? Yes, absolutely. Alex Morgan is, is one of the best players mm-hmm. that's ever played for the U.S. women's national team. Absolutely, hands down. The face of U.S. soccer and the women's side today, I probably could arguably say she's the biggest face for just in general for U.S. soccer. Mm-hmm. But she's not gonna go down mm. in GOAT category if she wins it through a third World Cup, no. Boy, I think you gotta put her and Megan Rapinoe at the
2: GOAT table. If they win this World Cup, because they have three. You
3: didn't and put them no, in your Mount
2: Rushmore. Well, that, that was because they do not have three at that point. We're talking about a future where these players have three World Cups, something none of the other players that you've talked about here have, right? And the only five person, other players will have. The only person no, be part of right with now with three World Cups is Pele, right? So you're, you're joining elite, elite company if you can get three World Cups. And there is a difference for me between an Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino, and maybe somebody like an Alissonaire who would then have three but didn't have the major role. Look, if you are at the GOAT so, table, Herc, and you have a differentiator from players like Akers Ham who have the two titles or Wombach, who only has one or Lloyd who has two, but one of which you could argue she's not a major player in, right? If you're a major player in three World Cup titles, at a time when the women's game is, as we're hearing, the most competitive it's ever been. You got a real strong case for Goat, Herc. I'm sorry, you can't deny that. Hold on, the Goat table's a bistro table, it's for two. Does she make that table? <laughs> How come it's a bistro table all of a sudden? How come you get to, de- you get to decide where the cutoff is at? Sub, yes mm-hmm. or no, does she make your two? If she doesn't make your two, then don't talk about Goat, because that is one. If she wins, if she wins three, she makes it. Yes, yeah. If you win three, you're at my beast. Who's out? Michelle Akers and Mia Hamm. Who's out? Michelle Akers and Mia Hamm. We go, we go. Akers, Morgan, Bob. We go the beginning and the end. Okay, that's what that's what we go. If we have to go, go. If she wins three, if she wins three, because I will tell you what, Herc, I will tell you what. Mia Hamm, of course, an incredible player, but so much of what we think of her legacy is the crossover impact, right? Mia Hamm was the first superstar of the women's game. I know it doesn't feel like it because the women's game think is...
3: think of Alex Morgan's
2: I, legacy as well? I think Mia Hamm popularized the women's game in a way that Alex Morgan... Alex Morgan will never get credit for being kind of the first. But I think it's important to note, and, and I'll mean, say this she's as got somebody... Her own Barbie. There you go. I mean, that's major. But I, as somebody who covered the National Women's Soccer League when there weren't three games a weekend with 20,000 folks in the stands, and you were talking about attendances of 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people... When Alex Morgan would roll into town, any town, they would get their biggest attendance. And so she's not only going to, again, if they win, have three World Cup titles. She will check every single box that you could possibly check from a marketing crossover standpoint. I don't think you can downplay what three Except World one. Cups back-to-back-to-back to back to back back with one. Alex Morgan would have on Except the future. One. If you think Correct Mia Hamm had a, wrong. had a huge impact on 20 years, what are the next 20 Correct years going to look if like? if
3: I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has Alex Morgan ever been World Player of the Year?
2: I mean, World Player of the Year? Come on, that's a popularity contest. (laughs) Martha won it in in 2018. (laughs) By the way, you notice how I slipped this in as the American goat? Because the goat, goat in the women's game, Martha headed to a sixth World Cup. You just said she won a World Cup. You just
3: said. You just. Gee, but please. I'm, 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 I'm having trouble following you here, Seth. That's one of those,
2: if you watched, you know. Martha and her prime, never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Inter Miami has made it
2: official. Their next manager, Gerardo Tata Martino, replacing the recently axed Phil Neville, the ex-Mexico manager, reunited with Lionel Messi, who, of course, he coached at Barcelona and with the Argentina national team. Martino also, on his lengthy resume, did win an MLS Cup with Atlanta United way back in 2018, just the second year in that franchise's history. Interestingly enough, Martino, the only manager to have coached Messi twice, and now he'll be the only manager to coach Messi three times. How'd they do? Well... put we did okay. Barcelona 2013-2014. What's that one title? Is that uh, the Supercopa?
3: Spanish Supercopa. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and
2: then uh, in Argentina, we had two Copa Américas, two finals, no losses in those finals, two penalty shootouts, uh, two penalty, penalty shootouts. shootouts. So no trophies either. Uh huh. All right, Herc, Tata Martino to Inter Miami—is he the right man for the job?
3: Um, I will add, uh, Tata Martino was taking over a team under Tito Villanova, um, who Biennueva, left the team yes, uh, yes. because he got sick. Uh, yes, um, yes, excuse me. Apologies. Uh, sc- 100 points. They got 100 points in La Liga, and when Tata Martino came around, uh, nowhere near that. And Messi, during that season, at 26 years old with Tata Martino, that season scored 19 fewer goals uh, than the previous year. And then if you go back another year, he actually had about 29 more goals. So he digressed with Tata mm-hmm. Martino. Um, so now, it's not only Mexican the players
2: way. that Tata Martino brings the worst out of, is what you're telling me.
3: Well, well, hold on. But you're asking if he's the right man for the job. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Absolutely. Inter-Miami needed this. They needed the bomba, The bomb. They needed to wake people up. They needed to excite people. In Tata Martino, you have an experienced coach who knows how to win in Major League Soccer. Not only that, he knows how to build a team from scratch. Now, everybody's going to say, well, he had the right people around him in Atlanta. Ah, not so fast. Okay. Do you remember the first Designated player that Atlanta United signed. It was in 2016. Kenwin Jones? About six months before they even. Kenwin Jones. So Tata Martino comes in and never plays Kenwin Jones. Why? Because he said, wait a second. I can't have a mid 30s uh, target striker without mobility. I need myself a Tito Villanova. I I need a Villalba, excuse me. I need myself a Miguel Almiron. I need a Joseph Martinez, a Yamil Assad. He built that team from scratch. And he made it a winning team, an exciting team. One of the best teams that we've seen in terms of getting people excited to come out into the stadium. That's what Inter-Miami needs. He knows Messi. He knows the league. He knows what it takes to win. Right man for the job. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's hard to argue that, right? We can look at the at the recent failure with Mexico, and I think if this was an international gig, I would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I think the international game has passed him by. And even worse than that, Herc, He looked disinterested in the international game. But this is a club, and this is MLS. And I think there is one priority and one, like only one priority if you're Inter-Miami trying to make this hire. It has to be somebody that Lionel Messi doesn't just like, but approves of now. And I think that's the big assumption here, right? We are assuming that Inter-Miami has okayed this with Lionel Messi. That Messi has said, yeah, I've worked with this guy not once before, twice before, and I'm willing to do it again. Because if not, this is the stupidest thing you could do, right? If there's a guy that, that Messi has worked with already and doesn't want to work with again and you're hiring him, you know, you're stupid. Inter-Miami might not be the smartest team in MLS. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think they're, they're that dumb, right? So we have to assume that this, has been, that this box has been checked. He knows how to work with Messi. He yes, probably I... knows how to work with a few other Barcelona players who may be coming. And I think the MLS experience is perfect. Look, in one month time, having fired Phil Neville... You are never going to check a box, check as many boxes in your hire when it comes to Lionel Messi as Tata Martino. Say what we will about his failures with Mexico.
3: I agree 100% with what you just said. Now, there are reports that towards the end that relationship soured. Mm -hmm. Tata Martino has also denied those reports. Those words never came out of his mouth about, hey, I know you can fire me, et cetera, et cetera. That never came out of his mouth. So as of right now, everything we know from Tata Martino Mm -hmm. and Messi is kosher. It's good. And they're ready to work. Yeah. And to your point about
2: building teams, he's not a Lionel Messi type of recruiter. But if you remember that Atlanta team, remember what it went, meant to Miguel Almiron, who had watched Tata Martino do his magic with Paraguay in a World Cup, what it meant to play for him. Remember a guy even like Franco Escobar, who played at Newell's and, and grew up kind of idolizing Tata, not the manager, the player at Newell's, and wanted to come to Atlanta and play for that guy. So, he has a Rolodex, he has a name, and a team that really needs to rebuild, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Uh, you know, Tata Martino's definitely going to help you there. And, Herc, that's something he couldn't do with Mexico, right? He couldn't reach into that Rolodex. But you saw what it, what it did at Atlanta. And if he can, he can turn some of those players yeah. into inter-Miami players, if he can make some of those connections again, this team will compete. I don't think in the short term. I don't think he can turn them around right now. But in a year, year and a half, I think he could have them competing for
3: something serious in MLS. Absolutely. I, I see no reason why. I know people see Tata Martino in a different light because of the Mexican Nationals. even trust me, I am one of those people. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Major League Soccer and building a franchise, essentially what Inter-Miami wants to do right now, start mm-hmm. over from scratch, I think you can do that. Sure. And again,
2: it's not like they've had years to make this hire. They just fired Neville. So, you know, you had to find a, a, quick, a quick replacement. This is a guy who was available and checked all the boxes. Transfer news, Herc. It is that time of the calendar. Tim Weah, it's official now. He is going to Juventus. How official is it? We have an arrival video in Turin. Here are the details. Aside from his impeccable style, my goodness, Tim Weah, always dressed to impress.
1: <laughs> it's for a reported
2: fee of 12 million euros to Leo. Apparently, it'll be a five-year contract. And we don't always get this, but a reported salary of two million euros per year. So, sounds like a pretty good deal there for Tim Weah at 23 years old. Yes, Herc, yes. let's put a grade on this move. What are you giving the grade for Tim Weah's transfer to Juventus?
3: I'd give it an A. Now, there are some conditions to this A, but here here's the A. Uh, in Timothy Weah to Juventus, he gets the big club we had all hoped for. It's a massive club in Juventus, a place where he will play. Uh, Allegri seems to want to uh, and value that 3 5 2 the five man back line with the wing back so he will play that cuadrado role cuadrado's gone cuadrado was a converted winger that ended up being an outside back they can do the same thing with timothy wea which from all accounts is what i'm hearing will happen timothy wea has a lot of experience playing in that role from leo he played on the right hand side he even played on the left hand side he could even play as a winger they has that in his back and in juventus you have a rebuild how much of a rebuild remains mm. to be seen but from all accounts what we're hearing is the rot is gone and it's the, star, the club will start in you. And for Timothy Weah going back, or I shouldn't even say going back, going to a league where his father was a legend, he'll be a household name, I really think this just ticks all the boxes. Yeah. It's hard to think about a U.S.
2: men's national team player making a move to Juventus and criticizing it. But I can't give it an A, Herc. Because I, I do have some questions okay. here. I'm going to give it a B. Because the big club you talk about is true. Absolutely. You cannot deny what Juventus is historically. Massive but club. You want Champions League with that massive club, right? And at least in this season, you don't have it. The other point you bring up is an interesting one. I would have thought going to a club like Juventus, I'd be more worried about his playing time. But I look at the players on the roster, and that's not actually my concern. I think he will get playing time. But if we were complaining about him playing as a wing back at Lille, and he plays as a winger for the national team, it's pretty clear, Herc, what you said... His role here is going to be as a wing back. That doesn't bother you?
3: Yeah. No. No, I've seen Cuadrado do it for the Colombian national team. Listen, good players find a way. They find a way with the club team. They find a way with the national team. I think this is a great experience for Timothy Weah. I think he could do well. Timothy Weah is a player. Mm-hmm. Timothy Weah is a player that is dangerous at all times. He's shown it with the national team. He's never not shown us his danger. Even when he wasn't producing numbers, he was producing danger. I think it's going to do wonders for him. Now, you need to perform. And now Juventus, I gave it an A, but there are some conditions, some caveats there. I mean, they could lose some players, some big players. How much of a rebuild remains to be seen, and that's the only thing that worries me. Maybe it'll be a reunification with Weston McKinney,
2: although that uh, that ship seems to be uh, ready to sail as well. You know why else I gave this a B, Herc? The price tag.
3: Doesn't 12 million
2: euros seem like nothing to you for Tim Wea?
3: Well, he not for a, an outside back, no. I mean, because that's the thing. If that's where you're evaluating him, that's where he's going to play, I, I think it makes sense. He, listen, he also had three goals, three assists, uh, you know, at Lille. It wasn't like he was lighting it up. So, no, I don't think it's by any means nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Tim Wea to Juventus official. Looks like Ricardo Pepe to PSV. Not far behind. I'm sure we will uh, talk about that for some outlawed questions, as we call on our good friends from the Phoenix chapter of American Outlaws. What's the name of the restaurant you're at again? Let's give them a shout.
3: It's the Walter Station Brewery. Home of AO Phoenix. So believe it or not, yeah, believe it or not, this used to be a fire station. And now it is a brewery. It's wow! A very good brewery as well. our, our producer Pepon has—he's already bought four D Yes. Yet. Okay. He's been sampling and he's been—he's been
2: telling you how good the beers are. Okay. Great. Yes. No. We're—we're we're focused. He's out been there. telling me. Yes. 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 Shout out to Pepon. Uh, great people. Okay. So let's get to our first question from the American Outlaws. Here it is from our good friends in Phoenix. What's up, Herc?
3: This is Riley from Columbus, Indiana. It's no question U.S. has one of the most exciting and talented young, cor- young cores in the world. What would you like to see from them over
2: the next few years to be a serious competitor as a host nation in 26?
3: Riley from Indiana. Herc, what do you have to say? south indiana university if i'm not mistaken uh my man riley what i would like to see from this us men's national team to be taken seriously is not to just perform in CONCACAF. it's one thing to dominate your region we've seen teams like mexico dominate their region and then when they go to a world cup well it's there's a certain ceiling and they can't get past it the us men's national team is the same thing we've seen an era it was actually 2010 to 2000 what, 14 era where they dominated, they had the same similar stretch against Mexico and opponents in CONCACAF. And when you get to the World Cup, there's that ceiling. So now these tournaments, these very important tournaments like Copa America coming up, that'll be the precursor, if you will, uh, of what the most or or mimic the most competitive thing you can find to a World Cup. You need to perform there and then perform at the World Cup. So just don't perform versus CONCACAF opponents.
2: That's right. You got to go and play teams like Uzbekistan and get those, get those points.
3: Show us what you think. Well, that's 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 kinda that's kind of mean, Sap. There's no right. who, who they gonna get? Blame you're FIFA right. on that one. Yep, yep. Shortage of
2: uh opponents and Oman. And Oman. in the fall window. Fish yes, so. can't forget Oman. Oman. Can't forget Oman.
3: It could have been Anthony Hudson's Oman. You missed out, Anthony Hudson. Wow, what a showdown
2: that would have been. A true rivalry battle on Football America. Uh, Alright, question number two. This one also from our good friends at AO Phoenix.
4: Hi, my name is Isabella Duran. I work at Phoenix Rising FC and my question for you is who is the biggest threat to the US Women's National Team this year in the World Cup
2: Wow the biggest threat Ooh. to the US
3: Women's National Team at the World Cup Okay I, Seb I'm gonna let you have the floor cuz you know I, I took the field. I think there are multiple threats I think there oh. are multiple threats for these women. It was a very, all of a sudden, it's a very young team for the US women's national team, and they've not played a lot together. They've sent a young team. It's very experienced. So for me, it's the field. I got about three names there. You? Okay. The biggest threat I still believe is England.
2: I still believe it's England. They're not the same team, by the way, that they were at the end of last year when they beat the United States at Wembley. And I don't think they're the same team that won the European Championship. They've had some serious injuries, but I still think they're the biggest threat. I think Australia's a big threat because they'll be at home, and Sam Kerr is just that type of player where, if she's on one, you're cooked. You just you just cooked. You just can't do anything about it. Uh, and and I think I think that Germany Germany I might put in there, but I, I still think the U.S. is a, a good solid step ahead of them. So yeah, I, I, put I don't Germany trust Spain. In there. I don't trust Spain. I don't know I don't know who Spain is bringing. So I, you. I don't know what to think of that Spain. It doesn't matter. You saw what their B team did. I know, I know, I know. I don't think the same. I don't think the U.S. team that's going to arrive in New Zealand and Australia is the same team that we saw last uh, last fall. Who are your biggest
3: threats? Yeah, those. It's those. England, Germany, Spain. I would even maybe add in there a, a Canadian team, just because they've always been a threat to the U.S. Yep.
2: They uh, certainly got the. Uh, The better of all the North American teams at the last major international tournament, Canada winning Olympic gold. All right, our next question here on Outlawed Questions, not from Phoenix, no, 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 no. From the site of victory, St. Louis, Missouri. That's right, let's listen in. Uh, Herc and Seve, which member of this team, of the younger guys on this team, is most likely to be on the 2026 World Cup roster? Ooh. Full America represented there. Uh, Herc, who do you think? Which Gold Cup player you think will be on the uh, World Cup roster? Give us a surprise name, you know, not not, not a Turner or a Fededa or one of those guys.
3: No, he said young player. Turner, yeah. Fededa. Uh, ter- th- th- those are I mean, those are already veterans within the group. I will go if I had to choose one from this group that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's between two. It's between Georgi Mikhailovich and... Jalen Neal, but I will take Jalen Neal. Yeah. It's 19 years old, man. And and Mm. just, I know he started, he had that one air um, in the very first game against, uh, was it Bosnia, if I'm not mistaken? Mm -hmm. Um, Or Serbia, excuse me, Serbia and LA in that January camp. But that was the only air I've seen from him at this level. And ever since, he's gotten better and better and better. And you can say what you want about the competition, but we've seen other center backs fold with said competition. Mm. I think he's got a certain composure about him and athleticism that I really like. Wow, I like that shout. Jalen Neal for the World Cup roster. So what, he'd be
2: 22 years old, center back at the World Cup. Could you imagine? Our final question here, also from St. Louis. Send it back out to the Gateway to the West.
3: Hi, my question is, what is Matt Turner's favorite side to dive on?
2: Well, wow, Herc, you're the goalkeeping e- expert. Which side does Matt Turner prefer to dive on? Well, I
3: appreciate Jim Kearns' Benjamin Button character uh, for the question. <laughs> um, that would be his left side. Oh yeah? It's his that, left that's side, where that side that he dives on Bailey, He's very right? good at it. Yes, yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I am balance. giving
3: out Matt Turner's secrets yeah, right now. Yeah, don't give, don't give <laughs> out those
2: secrets. Don't give out those secrets. I, I appreciate it, bud.
3: Thank you for the question.
2: Yes. Yeah. Very good stuff. All right, Herc, before we get out of here, let's talk some fashion sense into the good folks at home. Drippin' or Trippin'? Now, this is a Marvel Adidas MLS collaboration. They're calling it the MLS Americana jersey. There's also a ball. I'm hoping this is a pregame top.
3: Or, but what is this, Herc? Pre-match, yes. Oh. No, these are these are these are pajamas. I, I, I just bought some for my son. Yes, your holiday, pra- yeah, holiday no, pajamas. Uh, no, I'm not yeah. kidding. Yes, these are pajamas. Right. And that same soccer ball, my son already has. Th- I've already seen this. Yes. I'm gonna give it a tripping because if I don't, my kids will be very upset. This is gonna ah. be a hit with kids. Maybe not with adults, and that's the issue. But it's gonna be a hit with kids. Watch.
2: Okay. Uh, is Marvel Disney? I need to know that before I make my comment here. Oh, yes. Okay. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Why are you asking that? How old just, are just, you? Uh, this is this actively hurts my eyes. I'm sorry. I mean, this is just—it's not a good look. Try it a oh, little bit too hard. Oh, come on! Little
3: Rafa's gonna look cute in that.
2: No way! No way! I'm gonna get dizzy looking at him if he, if he wears that. The uh, Marvel Adidas collab. Send it to Herc, he'll, he'll want it for his kids. We should've done the Club America kid. Ah, huh? that, that, that would've evened some things out. 2T and 5T. That would've even some things out on the dripping or tripping. All right, we are back tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Thursday, uh, regular time. We will of course be previewing Mexico's game, which is later Thursday night, against Haiti. We will have the next in our series of one-on-one interviews with members of the U.S. Women's National Team tomorrow's interview, Sophia Smith. He's Herc in Phoenix. MVP. I'm Seb in D.C. MVP. And we'll see you in 24 you, you. hours right here on ESPN+. Plus.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.